Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. You know, we keep delivering through rain, sleet, snow, not even the smoky, hazardous winds from the forest fires in Canada can stop us from podcasting. Have you been outside? I, I was out barbecuing the other night and and I could I could smell it. My eyes started burning. It was freaky. It's like it's like a scene out of the Martian. Uh, but thankfully, the end is near and it seems like we'll get through this very quickly. Uh, that won't get in our way. A lot has happened since my last podcast with Zach Braziller regarding St. John's. So much to talk about in the tri-state, in the Big East, in the Big Ten. And it's my pleasure to welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast for the first time a fellow Seton Hall alum a rising star in sports announcing and sports broadcasting. I've been trying to get him for weeks, and I finally corralled him from his busy schedule, planning for a wedding, and he's everywhere. John Fanta from Fox Sports and Big East Digital Network. John, thanks for coming on. Brian, it's great to be with you. Happy summer, everybody. Happy summer to all your listeners. I've tried to stay indoors. I'm with you, my friend. It's It's been crazy out there. But if there's one thing that, that's been crazy as well, it's the college basketball offseason. There is no such thing. News even developing now in June. Yes, and it, and it's like we have to be glued to Twitter. Let, let's get right into it, John, because you do a fantastic job of doing this. I want to start in the Big East. The, the, the news this week, the latest news, was UConn taking Cam Spencer away from Rutgers and and landing you know one of the top shooting guards this late in the season and somebody who's really going to fit in nicely I think with Dan Hurley's style and you're surrounding you know Donovan Klingon with one of the best shooters in the country it's obviously a, a great get for Dan Hurley Cam Spencer to go from a zero star recruit out of high school and end up at Loyola Maryland where nobody really wanted him and you, you come to Rutgers, and there's an unknown if if the level that he's on is going to be able to translate to the tough, gritty, physical Big Ten. And it did. Because at the end of the day, Brian, you can't replace shot making. Shot making is is the best trait of them all. Yeah. And he and he gave Rutgers that. He gave a a Rutgers team that's known for their defensive pedigree a sharpshooter that could come up big and and nail threes, hit the game winner at Purdue hit the game winner at Northwestern. And for Connecticut, they lose Jordan Hawkins. They lose Joey Calcaterra. They lose Naheem Aline to St. John's. A week ago, if you talked to UConn, they probably would have been like, well, we would take Naheem Aline back right now because sure. you, you would have liked to have his presence. Because you've got your point guard and Tristan Newton back. You've got Alex Caravan, your four-man back. You've got Donovan Klingon, your center back. Stephen Castle, Solomon Ball make up a great recruiting class. But the fact is... The perimeter shooting would have been put all all the pressure would have put been put on the freshman. All of the pressure would have been put on the freshman. Getting Spencer means you've got a, a great guy for a locker room, an experienced vet who's been in a power conference, a high-level power conference at that. It's a great get. And it's one that the Huskies, I think, needed because perimeter shooting is what led them to a national championship last year. They they were going to defend, they were going to rebound, they were going to have enough individual playmaking but you got to space the floor Connecticut got a floor spacer with Cam Spencer and and somebody who gets deflections gets steals um listen he's not replacing Jordan Hawkins we're not making him out to be that but 
He fills a void uh, defensively, very crafty, one of the top steals guys in the country. And, and I think he's going to fit in very well with what Danny Hurley likes to do. John, I want to go right into the Big East now. You know, as of today, what is it, June 8th, 2023, how do you rank the Big East at the top? Most consensus has, you know, four teams in the top 25. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I think four. And there's an argument for a fifth in, in Xavier or St. John's that really both have arguments. And the way that St. John's is trending with the recruitment of Simeon Wiltshire, that would be another big-time case, a top Ooh. 35 recruit. So uh, that that's something I think Rick Patino and St. John's could very well make that happen. We'll see. But, but as we talk today, I think four top 25 teams, but I would say six or seven in the top 40 of the country. Really? How would you and how would you who's at the top? Is it Marquette? Is it UConn? Marquette is one. Marquette won the Big East regular season and tournament crown. I think we sometimes get and 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 this is not to it's it's not to take away from a national championship whatsoever. But sometimes we get so in the weeds on what happens in March that we have to understand that if you follow the sport, what's what's the common fan is following it in March, Brian. But what you and I do, like I appreciate the grind of December, January, and February of, you know, this is the road. This is the journey. It's all leading up to what's going to happen in, in a couple of weeks. We get to see all that when maybe not the common fan is following. But if you watch that, I'm going to go off of the five months of Marquette in which now they've returned pretty much everybody except for Omax Max Prosper. Tyler Kolek's a killer. Cam Jones is a high-level guard, and he's terrific. Oso Godaro's a mobile five was a matchup nightmare. And Marquette won the Big East, regular season and tournament crown. They've Bingo. lost less, they've lost less than UConn has. The reason why I don't have UConn one and people are upset at me, people I got I got some hate for putting them eighth <laughs> in my preseason top 25. UConn lost their three best players. They did lose Jordan Hawkins, Andre Jackson, Adama Snogo. Can they reload? Yeah, they already have. But you don't know if you're gonna reach the same level you were on. That all came together. Marquette's won. UConn's two, Creighton is three, Creighton is three. Then from there, I go Villanova four. And Villanova could pop up even higher because I wouldn't doubt Justin Moore. Doubt Justin Moore at your own risk. And they have brought in a transfer portal hall with Akeem Hart, Tyler Burden, and company. St. John's is five for me, Xavier six. But I, I, I'm, I'm hesitant on that because I, I want to put Xavier four or five because Sean Miller is such a good coach. Providence would come. In at seven, and you know from there, uh, Georgetown's probably eight. Pirates are nine, and then you've got Butler and DePaul to round things out. You know, I, I think that's pretty good. I think that's pretty good, John. I, I I would, I'd say look out for Providence. I mean, you you have Hopkins and you have Carter. You know, two top level talents in the Big East, and you're surrounding them with. Uh, you know, you do have a new coach. I get that, but you're surrounding them with good talent. How about this? How about this thought? I'm not going to say Villanova is going to win a national championship like UConn did. But in some ways, John, they remind me of what UConn did last year with the nucleus of those big three, Sonogo, Hawkins, and Jackson. They have, you know, their own with Dixon, Moore, and Mark Armstrong, not on that elite level, but three really good players. And you're surrounding them with Tyler Burton, an all A-10 player from Richmond, Hakeem Hart, who was a very good player at Maryland. TJ Bamba might be the best, you know, one of the top two guards in the country in the transfer portal. 
man, I, I, I think Villanova is a four with an upswing rising. Yeah, they're stacked. They're absolutely stacked. They've got every piece you could want. They're, they're going to be able to be highly efficient on the offensive end of the floor. I mean, if they develop a defensive backbone, if they develop a nastiness to them, I, I don't know, Brian, they, they, they could end up being top 10 good. You know, I, right now I've got them at, at 16. And I, I probably, by the, by the beginning of the season, I bet you I'll have them like top 12. I just think uh, everything is tracking for them to be in that category. They, they're loaded. And, I, and now I, the, big, the biggest question is the coach. Will Kyle Neptune be able to get everything to come to fruition? I, I agree. I, I think you hit it. I, you know, I'm not saying they're a top 10 team now, but they have that potential to, to crack that top 10, top 12, you know, mid season and so forth when that big East begins. And listen, what, what, what Kyle Neptune did and, and what they did over there, you know, they, they, they have a great guy with NIL with Baker Dunleavy. I mean, what, what a steal that was getting him from Quinnipiac and, uh, they're, they're going to be dangerous. Villanova, uh, is back. So I know yeah. you're very close with Ed Cooley. Uh, it's not a tri-state area team. I want to get to Seton Hall next, but, uh, Ed Cooley, how long before Georgetown do you think can get back to being really relevant? Because let's face it, the last year, I mean, it was an embarrassment seeing, you know, 19,000 or whatever it is, 16,000 empty seats, at that arena, You're, they were lucky to get 2,000 fans a game. Uh, where do you see Georgetown getting back to being Georgetown? I think it's going to take two, three years. Okay. Might, might take four. Uh, but, but I, I, I mean, I think I'm going to go with two or three. Uh, you're, you're saying really, really back. Like, I think you're, you, when you're asking me, like, are we talking top 25? Or are we talking NCAA tournament? Well, let let's say NCAA tournament because to be a okay. top twenty-five, that that puts yeah, so, you in the, you know a six seed. Well, I, so NCAA tournament, I'm going to say two or three years. Okay, I don't think they make it in in Ed's first year. If they make it in Cooley's first year, wow. <laughs> I mean, that's all I can say at this point is wow. I, I don't know if they have enough. I mean, they they now they might, but it's it's hard to to know they've brought in a huge transfer hall supreme cook was a good player at fairfield he's six foot nine power forward but we all know the big east is a different level ishmael masood is a good role player he was a good role player at kansas state rowan brumbaugh unproven at texas uh jaden epps some flashes at illinois but relatively unproven don Styles, a guy we like a lot of we have no sample size on a lot of the kids he's brought in so it's hard to know if all this is going to pan out. Now they have Jay Heath coming back. He's a quality player. And I think that they expect that Ryan Matumbo will take us some steps forward. But, you know, I, Brian, I, I think they're going to be small. And it's going to be hard to win in the Big East when you got to go up against Ryan Kalkbrenner, Donovan Klingon, Oso Iguodaro. Like, honestly, that's that's it's going to be tough for them here because Joel Soriano at St. John's. Oh, yeah. You know, Zach Fremantle at Xavier. You got to have bigs. Georgetown will not have great interior play. And if you look at Ed Cooley's best teams at Providence, he had Nate Watson. He had Ed Croswell most recently. He's had bigs and have gotten it done. Oh, so men. I don't know. I'm not men. Men. I'm not sure if in year one, I think year one is about showing that Georgetown can compete again, be in games again, wins. 
they'll win a couple of games and you'll say, yep, they're turning, they're starting to turn a corner. I just, I think for them, I don't know if I have NCAA tournament expectations this year. I'd say closer to NIT. Maybe it'll change. I, I never want to bet against Ed Cooley. I think he'll, I think he'll show some signs, but you know, we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. I, I like your three-year path. I, you know, I like your three-year path. I think I think if Ed Cooley gets them on the cusp of an NCAA tournament, then I think that's realistic because this program was really the bottom, right? The last two and a half years, the bottom of the Big East, uh, no doubt about it. All right, let's talk about our Pirates. They they had some some nice news. Uh, look, they were behind the eight ball, right, John? Let's be honest. You know, in terms of NIL, they they got in late, but they 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 finally got it together. Mike McBride is a guy that they were able to lure there to take some of the pressure off Shaheen Holloway and really focus on NIL opportunities. Um, they're not bringing in a lot of flash and dash transfers, but I think they're bringing in Shaheen Holloway type of guys. Elijah Hutchins Everett. Um, we'll see if he can play in the Big East uh, from Austin P. I, I like this Marcus Watson that they got this week from NCANT, former top 100 player. And and I think that that he is Big East ready and will learn how to play in the Big East. You know, how do you see this team coming together and what are their keys? Well, their their biggest key is Kadari Richmond. Kadari Richmond has got to mature and be consistent and take on the role that they're asking him to take on, which is to be that lead guard. The, the fact is the offseason hasn't gone according to plan. Seton Hall has been able to get the NIL that they now need going forward, but that didn't necessarily help them this offseason. Now, Kadari Richmond, Alamir Dawes, Dylan Wusu, it's a form on their best day, it's a formidable backcourt in the Big East. It is. And I expect Jaquan Sanders to take some steps forward. I thought he showed some flashes last year. They got to get him developed. And, and obviously, there's high expectations for Isaiah Coleman. I'm probably not as worried about the backcourt as as others are. Because I also think that at some point, Richmond's just got to put his hard hat on and go. He's got every opportunity to do so. When's he going to do it? I'm, I, I mean, the, the, yeah. the, there's not enough proven there to say that he's going to do it. But I'm, I'm kind of banking on the fact that at some point he will. The front court is where I've got questions. I mean, we don't know what they're going to get at the center position. You know, they, they have Elijah Hutchins, Everett, Jaden Bediaco. Uh, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's that in the front court on the interior, they're, they're, they're pretty unproven. And what is, what do we mean in the big East? Well, that's, that's, that could lead to some tough sledding. I love Dre Davis. I, I think Dre is tough. I think he's a defender. I think he's the perfect Sheen Holloway player. So I, I like him and, and Marcus Watson. I had a couple of Watson's games last year, Brian, and I thought that he was very good. I thought that he was very good. So I, I like that pickup. I mean, average close to 15 points per game and a score, a dynamic wing, a good offensive player. Like, I, I really like that get. I think for the Pirates, it comes down to they, they, they've got to be able to hold up on the glass. Last year, they gave up too many rebounds in too many critical spots. And that just had to do with the fact that they were relying so much on Tyree Samuel that then you're in a tough spot when he's not on the floor. Yeah. In the big East, if, if you don't rebound, you know, with, with like, like we said before, men, you know, Providence uh, teams like UConn, they thrive off the boards Villanova. So 
you're right. They're going to struggle there until they can, you know, Shaheen can find a way to mix and match. And that's where the loss of Tyree Samuel, you know, going to Florida uh, really hurts them because you need his presence. All right. Last thing on the Big East, John. I was on uh, the Big East Barroom podcast about a month ago. Tyler and Ryan Cassidy, I love those guys, what they're doing with that, uh, you know, with Twitter and what they're doing with their podcast. They asked me the question, and I'm going to pose it to you. Since the reconfigured Big East in 2013, are we looking at the best that this new configured conference has been? There's no question about it. It's not even a, remotely a question. I think it is set up to be, to be the best year that for the Big East since reconfiguration. Uh, I think that Marquette has built a monster. Shaka Smart and Marquette are the perfect fit. Brayton. Brayton is loaded again. Greg McDermott's developed a program that will consistently be an NCAA tournament team and a team that can make a run now. UConn's a defending national champion. St. John's and Georgetown are back. Rick Pitino in Queens is going to elevate them. He's going to win. I think the Johnnies will dance right away this upcoming year. I love the get of Dingle, Jordan Dingle from Penn. I think Joel Soriano is fantastic. Um, and I think what they've done in their backcourt between uh, Dennis Jenkins from Iona and others, they're, they're set up. But, but like St. John's is set up for success here and should be able to have a, a, a high degree of it. Xavier. Xavier's a team that that I expect to be right there again. I just think Sean Miller's a great coach. I think that they were able to bring in a, a nice transfer hall as well this offseason. They bring back Jerome Hunter and Zach Fremantle. So you got to like that. Desmond Claude should only get better. And I like what they did. Uh, Oliveri from the transfer portal, remember that name. He He's going to be a, a really high-impact player. Providence, Bryce Hopkins. I mean – Bryce Hopkins could be Big East Player of the Year. Sure. He could be Big East Player of the Year. Jaden Pierre, Corey Floyd. I like that group. I, I, I like the nucleus that they've got. Kim English brought in some guys from George Mason. Josh Duro should help them. So, you know what? And I didn't even mention Villanova, who's been the constant in this conference, had a down year, but is ready to pick it back up. This league is loaded. Could have seven, maybe even eight. Eight NCAA tournament contenders. <laughs> Not saying they'll get eight. But I think I think they could very well get seven. Yeah, I don't disagree with anything you said. Seven is seven out of eleven. Imagine that, and the coaches, you know, that that have national championships, elite eights, final fours. Uh, you know, Thad Mata and Miller and and Shaka and Patino and Cooley and Hurley. My goodness, it's it's. I'm not putting it to the old biggies, the original biggies. I'm never going to go there. But man, it is fun to watch. But Here's the one. Here, here's the one. You know, flying the ointment, John. It's out there, right? UConn worked so hard to get back into the Big East, and now there's rumors that they're going to the Big Twelve. What percentage do you think they go there? I, I don't see how they don't go there. Well, it's a money move. It's a football move. So uh, that's that's what powers college sports, and I. I think that that UConn's in a position where they have to decide between their emotions and and business. And uh, if PGA and Liv told us anything this week and uh, college sports has told us anything in its history, it's that follow the money. Follow the money. So it feels like 
that 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 is going to happen. Uh, I'd be surprised if they make the the decision to stay basketball to stay with because if you're staying in the Big East, you're set, you're remaining committed to basketball. But I think UConn, at the end of the day, they don't want to be independent in football. If they get an invitation and football can find a home, and oh, basketball won't go too downhill because basketball not going to go downhill. The Big 12 is a great basketball conference. They'll go downhill a little bit in Northeast recruiting. They'll go downhill. Th- these families don't want to go to Stillwater and Ames for games. But I think business rules. So I, I expect UConn. I'm not, I, I don't know anything, but if you're asking for my opinion, it's that I expect them to go. I don't disagree with you. I, I think that eventually UConn will follow the money just like everyone else. John Fanta, I know you have to go. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, listen to John. You can check him out on Fox Sports Network, Big East Digital Network, at Field of 68 Podcast. John, thank you so much. Brian, thank you. Appreciate your time. All right, we'll talk to you soon. So many things you want to talk about with John Fanta, and and unfortunately, time was short. He had to go there, so I had to cut off the interview a little bit short. I wanted to get to Rutgers. I wanted to get to the Big Ten but unfortunately ran out of time. Let's just say this about Rutgers before I conclude this podcast. Rutgers is going to be okay. I know they lost Cam Spencer. They lost their best three-point shooter. They lost their go-to guy in crunch time. They lost a guy with moxie, with balls. Okay? A guy who stones. This is the guy who wanted to take the big shot, who wasn't afraid to take it. But Cliff Amore coming back, obviously he is the centerpiece of what Rutgers does. Okay, still waiting to hear on Paul Mulcahy. Unless he's going to take the money and start his pro career, I don't, I will be shocked if he transfers anywhere else because he bleeds scarlet red. I know he graduated. I I will be, I put it at 99% that he returns to Rutgers if he remains in college basketball. I don't know what percentage to put that on in terms of him staying in college or going pro. I still would be surprised if he turns pro. So let's assume, okay, he comes back. I mean, you bring in the transfer from UMass, Noah Fernandez. And Gavin Griffiths is a legit top 40 five-star recruit. I know he has to translate into the Big Ten, and that's not easy for any freshman. He's not Cam Spencer, but he is one of the best pure shooters in the class of 2023. And if he can play and prove he can play at a big-time level like we think he can, Rutgers will be fine. Does that mean NCAA tournament? I don't know, because they didn't make the NCAA tournament Last year, but they could be a postseason team. It's not easy in this day of NIL to be able to retain everybody because at some point, somebody on your roster is going to say, all right, what are you giving me? And there's only so much money that can go around and opportunities at a school like Rutgers, at a school like Seton Hall. So the roster turnover is much more and the transfer portal is is it's just an open door. A open revolving door in and out 
at any given time. We've seen that. So the Big East, as long as UConn is here, let's hope they're here, that we know they're here this year. Let's hope they're here for at least one more year because these things happen quickly. They're going to have to find a way to get this $30 million buyout. They begged to come back into the Big East, and now they have a major price tag and an athletic department that last year was 50 to $60 million in debt. Football money, Big 12 money is there. I don't know how much they'll be able to offset these costs and this deficit, but it always comes down to money. But as long as UConn is here and we see Villanova is back, they're just coming off a national championship winning season in the Big East. The Big East isn't going anywhere anytime soon, folks. All right. They have found a way in a football power five era that is only going to get bigger and bigger with these conferences swallowing each other up. The Big East has found a way to redefine itself. And I think somehow, some way, even if they were to lose UConn, they will find a way to redefine themselves again. My thanks to John Fanta. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. It's been great to get on the mic again. We hope to have a podcast for you again very soon. As long as there is news in the Tri-State, we'll have it for you right here on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DeNovellis. Thanks for listening. So long.